It's off up here, so you can turn it on back there. If you have your Bible, open up Psalm 126. We're going to do something just a little bit different today. You know, a lot of times when I preach, uh, I, I throw myself under the bus and I tell you what some of the things I've had happen in life and going on. And so, so this morning I threw somebody else under the bus. You know, I think, I think a testimony, I know a testimony is an extremely powerful thing, and I wanted, wanted this to go with my message, uh, so I might throw some of y'all under the bus in the next weeks to come, but um, I asked Tracy Durham if he would, actually I threw it on, I was praying, I was going to give his testimony, and the Lord was like, no, I'll let him do it, so I went back and said, Tracy, would you mind giving your testimony this morning, and he gave me that froze up looks, so I was like, yeah, this is exactly what the Lord wanted to do. <clears throat> but I want to read the scripture, if Tracy, if you want to come on up before he gets up here. Um, you know, captivity, when the Bible speaks of captivity, it talks about when an enemy uh, would come in and would would go to war with another country, and captivity would be like a POW, prisoner of war, and that, the enemy would take... Uh, people back into their country and Israel at this point in time uh, had a great season years actually of rebellion 490 years of rebellion and and ceremonial religion you know they were still if you read the book of Isaiah you know Jeremiah deals with a lot of the captivity they're speaking of here but um, in Isaiah, it talks about how the people, they still were in church and they were still, you know, raising their hands to pray and, and going through all these ceremonial worship. But the other six and a half days a week, they were worshiping idols and they were just like the world and they were living, you know, in sinful ways and that kind of stuff. And so, so God basically turned them over to what they, they wanted. And allowed the enemy to come in, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came in and he, he, uh, he wiped out Jerusalem and Judah and he took a lot of the people, a whole lot of the people back with him into Babylon as slaves. And, um, and it was a horrendous 70 years. I want you to think about that, okay? 70 years. A lot of times we go, well, if I make the decision, I know it's against what God's word teaches. Doesn't God, I always hear people go, doesn't God forgive? Uh, yeah, the Lord forgives a repentant heart that's willing to forsake their sin, okay? It's not just a, oh, Lord, I'm sorry, but I did that. Because here's the thing. Your sin, even, even I'm talking to believers, you can choose to rebel against God. It can cost you 70 years. Say, so how long am I going to have to pay for this, this decision? Some people make decisions that impact generations. But, but God, okay? So, so they were in this situation and it looked hopeless. Jeremiah had, had actually prophesied when the Lord would do this and, and the people had basically lost hope. And then in Psalm 126, 1, it says, when the Lord brought, didn't say when we escaped, when we worked our way out of this, it said, by God's grace, when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, means he brought the people, you know, the book of Nehemiah and Ezra talks about that, how he, he brought them back out of there and brought them back into their homeland. It's a picture of the life that the Lord desires for you to live. God doesn't want anybody to live under the bondage of, of the enemy. And there's so many people today that are, that are held captive, even believers, that are held captive and you're not experiencing 
the life that Jesus can give you. Maybe you're here today. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are, you are held captive to the sin curse in your life. Jesus came and died on a cross, paid for your sin, buried it in a grave, rose again to demonstrate he has the power to set the captives free. And if you've never trusted, repented of your sin, trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're in bondage. You're held as a slave to sin. Okay. And and anyone who, anyone who continues in that by your own choice, when you die, you're going to end up in hell. And the Lord never intended on that to happen. And, and this is one of my, and I'll talk about this a little bit, one of, my, one of my greatest dreams for the church. Because you'll notice it says in uh, verse 1, it said, we were like those who dream. You ever heard anybody say, I have people that I talk to say, how's it going? I'll just live in the dream. Most of the time it's sarcastic. I'll just live in the dream, live in the dream. But I wonder if I asked you this morning, how many people here could say, I am, I am living the dream. I'm living like those who dream because I never thought back in my lost years, back in the time where I, where I was living for sin. And even, even times after I've been saved, after the Lord saved my soul, where I continued to involve myself in things that were contrary to the word. I wasn't surrendered to the Lord in my life. I had my own way, my own plan. And so in all of that, you know, living in captivity and not experiencing what God had. And then when God brings you out of that for you to go, man, I never thought life could be this good. I never thought I would experience the blessing of God in my life that Jesus desires for everyone here to have. My dream for this church is for every person here, number one, to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. But also that you live as those who dream to go. Never, I never understood what Christianity was about, I thought it was just a church thing. But now that I know Jesus and I see what he's already accomplished for me and the change made me, what are the possibilities? What are the possibilities of your life, of your family, and of our church? You know, and the reason I asked Tracy to do this, I go, he's, I've seen what God's done in his life. And he is living like one. Him and Tiffany is living like those who, who dream. So after I get up and say it, I'm going to hand him the mic. Do it. I'll say. Uh, alcohol, drugs of every kind. I've done it all. Uh, did that all my life and was just a horrible person. Just the biggest sinner, the chief of sinners. And, uh, and I got married. Tiffany and I got married back in the early 90s and, uh, just continued that lifestyle. 
even though I was married. And uh, but that that carried on. I, I did drugs throughout my marriage. Uh, hid it for the most part, but I didn't hide my drinking. And I keep talking about drinking, and I'm not glorifying this at all, at all. But drinking, all that did was promote bad decisions on my part. I was able to justify everything I did by drinking, and I drank a lot. If I'd had all the money I spent on alcohol, I could be driving a new Buick every day. <clears throat> but it went on and on. And I say this, I'm not going to talk, sit up here and talk a long time, but this going to tell you how God approached me and how he, he just he thumped me in the head. And uh, But anyway, uh, <laughs> me and a buddy used to laugh. We'd talk about how much more we could get done if we worked with both hands because I always had a beer in one hand or a drink. But anyway, came to uh, Tiffany and I. I mean, the more I think about my testimony, there's just so many parts of it. But Tiffany had a cousin, first cousin, uh, and she had a daughter. And this is where God has started. I mean, God orchestrated every single bit of this. And I look back on it, and it just amazes me how how he put it all together. It wasn't at one time. It was just he wove it together to where everything fit perfectly. But in beauty from ashes, because Tiffany's cousin passed away. But before she did, she had always asked Tiffany and I, she said, uh, if anything ever happens to me, I want y'all to raise my daughter. And we're like, yeah, whatever. You know, I think y'all have all heard that before where you, nothing's going to happen to you. And So time went on and I was playing golf one day and I got a, a call from Tiffany that her cousin passed away. And uh, she had a five-year-old daughter. I think she was five, wasn't she, too? Eleven. She's <laughs> close. <laughs> Little, about that tall. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> you know, Tiffany and I were, you know, empty nesters at the time. Kids had gone, and we were living at home by ourselves, thinking life was good, getting drunk every night, drinking lots of wine. Even Tiffany drank. She'll, she'll admit it. She used to come to church with red lips in the morning. <clears throat> But uh, after we, you know, we got Piper after that. We got custody of her. And that right there is when God hit me. He, you know, he just, he let me know that I messed up my life. We've got to do something for Piper. Let's get, that's start, you know, it's never too late. So, I, you know, we decided, you know, we got to start going to church. And we started looking for a church and we went to a couple and we found this place. God found this place for us, and it was our search was over. But anyway, that that went on, and and I tried to quit drinking at that point because I knew it wasn't right and didn't work. And so time went on. There's a lot more pieces to this, but anyway, just how how God delivered me from drinking, it was just amazing. Uh, it was an Easter Sunday. And I got drunk the night before. I mean, every night, every night I got drunk. Every single night, seven days a week. Came to church one morning out in the parking lot out here. And uh, a guy stood up and just gave a little testimony. 
And I looked at him, I listened, I'm like, man, that was me. He's, he's talking, that's my life. And I kind of blew it off and we left there and went to Willie's Sunday school class over here at the old church. And, uh, Willie got to chasing a rabbit about drinking, which he doesn't do that a lot, but, you know, his philosophy is, you know, that's between you and God. And so, but the things he was saying was directed right at me. And I'm thinking then, man, is this an intervention? You know, somebody set this up because it's so, it's just, I mean, it's hitting me right square in the face. And so I got to thinking about that. And then we left there, went to big church. And Randall started chasing a rabbit about drinking that morning. And and it was just, I'm like, oh my God. And it was God talking to me through those three guys that morning, telling me to quit drinking because I had other things to do. I had a daughter now. My marriage was horrible. And it was all because of alcohol. But anyway... As soon as church was over, I couldn't get home fast enough. And I got everything in the house that had to do with drinking, every single thing. Had an ice box out in the shop, everything, and put it all in a huge trash bag and threw it away. And, you know, alcoholics like me, most people have to go through a recovery process. You know, AA, uh, uh, whatever these different groups are I quit and never look back I've never I've never missed it I've never craved it I've never gotten sick I just God delivered me instantly and that's an absolute it was a miracle I mean people that think that God doesn't perform miracles he does but that's that's what happened to me, and that was just the beginning. You know, I, I, Jesus promotes change. Willie has taught me that all as long as I've been going to church here. You know, wherever Jesus goes, that's change happens. And I, by no means am I perfect. I still am a horrible person, but I've also learned that repentance every day you have to repent. Because we're not going to make it one day. Most of, I can't make it one hour without sinning, probably. So we have to learn how to repent. But that's just, that's how God changed my life. And, and it's an ongoing process every day. But with Randall and Willie and, and people of this church, it, it, it makes it a lot easier. And with Jesus. But that's really it. I mean... Good stuff. <clears throat> you know, one of the most awesome, awesome things you know, when I talk about living life as those who dream. I'm not talking about going to the NFL or making a million dollars. You know, I, I probably speak for Willie too. To hear when you when you invest your life in in the Lord and and in other people, and then you see what the Lord does in people's lives, seen such a radical change in them. And, you know, Tiffany's nurse of the year. 
So, <laughs> but I have truly, he didn't tell you, you know, me and him was hunting on the river together a lot, and before we start, he's always the one, not just because the preacher's with him, but he's like, let's pray, and, and to see somebody who who used to fill the boat up with alcohol, and now he fills it up with God's spirit and grace and love, and to see what God's done in their marriage, no longer a wreck, probably still needs a lot of word, but it's not a wreck. And I just, <laughs> not this morning. And I can tell you this, they raised Piper up for Jesus. And and so, you know, I'm going to keep it, honestly going to keep it short this morning. But I, but I do want to uh, to challenge some of you. You know, when you when you look at this and they say, we were like those who who dream. Basically what they were saying was, they looked at their life situation that they were in in captivity and they thought, what can we do? This is impossible. You know, we're in a place in life to where it's always going to look like this. And then like God does, all of a sudden, out of nowhere that you couldn't see or know or expect, God does what he does. And he radically changed their life situation in a moment. God changes things in a moment. And in that, they, when, when the reality of that settled in their heart, they're like, this is, it was so amazing. It was like, this is like a dream. And I think we, 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 we talk about salvation so much. And we use the word so much and, and we hear it and we've got the church culture. But do you realize what God's done in your life? If you're here today and go, I'm a born again believer. It's not just that one day you made a decision at church or that you prayed a prayer. It was that you were dead. Me and you both. Dead in my trespassing of sin. A sinner condemned, enslaved in sin, hopeless. You know, apart from Jesus, the only hope that I had was what, what I had in this world. And no matter how good it might look to you at the moment, give it a minute. And when you begin to experience the misery of sin, you know, in my life prior to my salvation, I began to experience the misery of sin. And to know that in a moment that God worked everything, like he's talking about, that God worked everything to bring about finally opening up my blind eyes and my deaf ears to go, you know what, I need Jesus. And to turn my heart to him at that moment, if you've done that, at that moment you went from dead to life. You know the story in John chapter 11 where Lazarus, you know, Lazarus was was sick and he died and Jesus was a friend of that family, you know, and he, he put off coming to him for four days. He could have healed Lazarus, but this is this is something Jesus wanted to allow to happen because he wanted them to understand he was more than a friend. He's more than a healer. And so he goes to Lazarus and Mary and Martha, the sisters, they're all upset and said, Lord, if you would have been here. This wouldn't have happened. And you know, Jesus said, basically, <clears throat> do you believe that he'll live? And they said, yeah, we know that, that God will raise him up in the last day at the resurrection. He said, I want you to understand something. I am the resurrection. I'm the, I'm the way, the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And they went to the tomb, and he just simply, he prayed and said, Father, I know that you always hear me, but I'm praying this so everybody else here can hear me because I want them to know and realize who I am and what I can do in their life. And then he cried out, Lazarus, come forth. 
And Lazarus walks out, but, but, but if you'll read in John chapter 11, he walks out of the grave and he's still bound in his grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Let him free. If, you, if you've been saved, you've experienced that same exact thing that Lazarus said, dead in your, dead in your tomb and, and you heard the voice of Jesus call you. You answered to that. He raised you to life from the dead. But here's the problem. You know, you keep reading here and it said that, that we were, our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Now let me ask you this question. Would you say that your life is filled with laughter? Filled with joy? I mean, most of you come here with old scowl look on your face. And, 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 and what God wants you learning is here, when you understand what He's already done, it's not, I'm not talking about, hey, He, He gave me a raise. He got, and if he saved your soul, you were on your way to hell. And the fact that he brought you to that place, because not everybody gets that. He brought you to a place where you realize that. And, and, and you might not you might not be filled with laughter right now, but one day, I want you to think about this. One day your heart's going to stop beating. Could be sooner than later. Or you know what, Hamas might blow your brains out. I don't know what's going to happen to you. But one of these days, your ticker's going to stop. Me and Chris is talking this week. He's like, man, I'm 66. I need to live. You know, I'm like, one of these days, we all got our date. And one of these days, your heart's going to stop. And here's the thing. Everybody's like, oh, I don't like talking about that. If you're a born-again believer. Now, if you're lost, you're in trouble. But if you're a born-again believer, understand before your body hits the ground, your eyes will behold Jesus. Can you imagine your, can you imagine your first step into heaven and the weight of God's glory and the reality of what he did to get you to that moment to where, and I know we all know, I know Jesus, I'm confident, I ain't worried about dying, but I think we'll all have that moment where you're like, I made it. I am here. You know, I talked about it, I prayed about it, I dreamed about it, but all of a sudden, at that moment, when you step into glory, or who knows the way things are going in the world, we might all go at the same time, Christ might come back and you hear his voice. Can you imagine what it would be like to all of a sudden, you know, you're in a misery of a workplace, like, I hate this, and all of a sudden, whoop. I want you to get this. I want you to get this picture because more than church, what would it be like for you to look across the sky and go like, Calvin made it. You know, I see, I look, see Calvin over there. He's still got his mask on from mowing all the time. You look across there, and you're like, you're a parent. You know, you're a parent in that moment. You're like, oh, look, and you get the peace because you see your kids standing there, and they're waiting. That's what we're here for. And God wants us to have a life far beyond what most of us are living. A life filled with hope. A life filled with joy. A life filled with rejoicing. And you know, when's the last time that people talked about you? Oh, I'm not talking about bad. Thank y'all. I guess someone had to put a roll on the bottom of this thing. Not toilet paper. Okay. But, you know, everybody's got people who talk about you bad. But I'm talking about good. You notice what it says? It says, and they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then it says, the Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad. You realize God wants you to live your life glad? Full of joy, laughter, hope, rejoicing. Not, oh, scow, I'm just fighting depression all the time. If you're fighting depression all the time, you know, your life's not filled with hope and laughter and joy. 
You don't have peace and, and gladness. If people aren't talking about you, you go, man, have you seen the things God's doing for them? You see what God's done for them? That's your testimony. It's not just going out and knocking doors and go, do you know Jesus? God's people ought to live in such a way that his glory is so great in our life. And our church as a whole, that we that God's doing so many things here that the nations, the lost people are going, man, you can't deny it when you look at that dude, when you look at his family, when you look at their ministry, when you look at their church. You can't deny that God's doing great things for them. That's what God intends for us to live. But how many of us are living that life? How many people are talking about your marriage? Oh, not that you're on the verge, but that you go, wow, that's the kind of marriage I want. Man, that's the man. You see their life. I'm not talking about possessions, but you see how they're joyful, how much peace they got. You see their family. They're not. They're not fighting and dividing, arguing. They're. They actually have unity. You see their church. It's not full of hypocrites. There's one or two in it. I'll let you decide who that is. But their church, man. I, I walked in that church. You know what? This is my dream for our church. So what did you? Man, our dreams are, when people walk in, they go, man, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, Jesus is there, and that people. I felt loved. I felt, I heard truth. You know, people are in unity. We care more about one another than we do our own selves. Man, those people are investing in other people's lives. They're not there just on a Sunday. I saw them on Monday and Tuesday, and they were acting the same way then. They was acting in church. They were living by the Bible. Look at their family. Look at the difference God see. There's so, and there are, there's so many families. I look over the crowd and go, I, I see that in y'all. I see the goodness of God in life. I see the truth of God's word in your life. I see it in your marriage. I see it in your children. I see it in your grandchildren. I see it in your service to the Lord. You're living like those who dream. But some of you are not. Some of you always have the same stuff going on in your life. And it's because you're still in captivity. So here's my question for you. If you look at your life and you just be honest with yourself this morning. You know what? I don't have a whole lot of laughter. I don't have a whole lot of joy. My hope is like down here. And most of us go, but I know Jesus. Then why aren't you laughing? Why is there happiness? Why aren't you glad? Why aren't you rejoicing? Why do we stand and worship and go... You know what I'm saying? It's like, y'all, you say that every week. I'm going to say it every week till you stop it. It ought to be a place where we're ecstatic joy. And not just in worship, but worship. We carry worship with us seven days, 24-7. Then when people come around, it's like, man, I can't even be around that dude. He's always, he's always smiling, always laughing, always giving hope. He's always speaking truth. He's not negative. He's not scowling. He's not spitting out poison. It's not always a weeping and a sorrow and a woe is me story, but it's just always, you know, I would far rather, if you want to know the truth, I'd far rather hang out with people who are like happy and joyful and speaking truth rather than being around the people who go, man, you watch that news? Well, I'm going to die soon. And it seems like Christians think that that's what God wants or that God always wants to, you know, your heart to be broken and you'd be like, oh, I'm just terrible. I'm so worried about what's going on in the world. I ain't because he's in control. Whatever happens, happens. He's on the throne. I've got things, honestly, if I quit thinking about some of y'all, I'd be really happy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've got those folks in your family, too, that they never can seem to get where they need to get. And it's always a, hey, brother, what's going on? Man, I'm just a bad week. 
you know, it just drains the life out of you. I want to be a life giver. God's people, we should be life givers. We should be joy promoters, not bleeders, you know. We walk around and go, hey, that was church. Oh, man, he just preached way too long. Tracy got up and couldn't even hardly understand when he talked about drinking and all that stuff. I don't get it. You know what I'm saying? And if you're there, here's my question. Is if you're not happy and you're not glad and you're not rejoicing and you're not living like those who dream, and what I mean by that is that you look at your life and go, okay, if the Lord saved my wretched soul from hell and he raised me to life, he adopted me in his family and made me his son or his daughter, what can he not do? What are the possibilities in my marriage? What are the possibilities in my personal life? What are the possibilities in my hobbies when I involve Jesus? What are the possibilities that God could use me to do something amazing for his glory if I involve him as living like a dream? Some of you, because I ask you, I'm not being judgmental, I ask you, I say, what, what is your dream? Dream? Man, I just hope Cowboys win this week. Good luck, okay? Better involve God in that one. Like, do you not, do you not look at your life and go, and if parents, you ought to promote. You ought to always promote to go, you know what? Your life can be average. Your life can be average. You can go to school. You can get an education. You can get a job. Anybody can find a job if you want one. You can make money and you can take care of your family. You can have a little place and, and you can go to work and you can come home and you can watch TV, look at Facebook, go to church. That's the average. Is that what you promote your kids? Oh, once you make that, especially if you get a job with insurance, you've made it. Now, where's God in that? Where's the God room? Where is it that you go, okay, kids? I'll tell you the story of David and Goliath and how David involved God in his everyday Monday. And all of a sudden, it became the very thing that defined his life. It took him from being a shepherd boy to a king. Do you promote that with your kids? Do you like, let me tell you something. You know how you promote it? You show them. You step out and go, let me tell you what, Paul, I serve a great God who's willing to do great things with any great fool who will trust him. That's what, who he is. He can do. Any person in here, don't give me any stupid excuse. If you're a born again child of God, if you're not, he'll save your soul. If you're a born again child of God, God is willing and wanting to do great things in your life to where you're just in awe afterwards to where you stand back and go, Wow, I got some, I got some things in my life where I go, wow, God, I'm stinking in awe. It's like a dream. Not that there's not nightmares. You understand what I'm saying? But a lot of us, the problem is, it's because you're still living in captivity. There's something in your life that holds you captive from becoming what God would have you to become, from doing what God would have you to do. Some of you might, well, like Tracy, what was his drinking? The devil just had him captive. Right, as, long as, as long as he had him right there, God wasn't able to give him a life living like a dream. Some of you may be a somebody in your life you don't need to be with. Maybe it's a lost person. I'm not saying go out and get a divorce, okay? What I'm saying is you young people, the devil robs you of the life that God wants you to have. You know why? Because you don't live by God's word. You don't trust him. You don't believe him. You go out and you do whatever. You live like the world. You get You date whoever. Here's the thing. You date a dog, you marry a dog, don't be surprised when your life stinks. Some of us are in bondage to fear of failure. Oh, I believe God can do great things, but just not with me. Some of you are in bondage to your past. Oh, I did something. You know, I, I man, I, I was living a dream. My life was like a dream, but then all of a sudden I, I made a decision. I did something sinful. 
And now I just feel like it's over. What? You serve the God of restoration. You serve the God who brings you out of captivity, right? He said he brought him out of captivity. He'll bring you out. God, haven't, God hasn't lost. His grace is still exactly what you need for today. Now, let, let me finish with this right here. God's grace is not enough for your past because it's already done. God doesn't want you looking for grace tomorrow because you're not there and you might not ever make it. But God's grace is here today. He's like, you know what? I can make you. I can. And tomorrow when you need grace, I'll give you grace for that. I don't care what you've done in your past. You can't go back in your past and undo it. If you're going to go back in the past, let me challenge you with this. If you've got something in your past, I just can't get past it. And it's got me and the devil. Just Every time I start to do something, the devil just brings this up. Or somebody else brings it up because they know it. And it's just, it's where the devil has me under, under his hold. Go past your past. Go about another 2,000 years past it. When the devil like, here, I want you to stand. I want you to remember what you did, preacher. So hold on just a second. I'm going to go a little bit further back and I'm going to stand in front of the cross. Because I want to see what he did for the preacher. I want to invite you, devil, to come with me to where he buried my past. And his grace was enough to bury everything in my past. And his grace is enough to raise me to life. And his grace is enough to do great things for me, through me, in me. In so much that as a born again believer, not a sinner, but a son to stand before God and go, good job. Good job, buddy. Whatever it is, I just, it's great. I didn't know what Trace was going to say, but I want to finish it with how he finished it. You know what he said? He said, I went home and I bagged that junk up. And I never looked back. What is it this morning you need to bag up? Maybe it's a sin you're holding on to. Well, you know, I, everything else, but I just, I'm not going to give this up. You're, you're in captivity. You'll never experience the joy, the life, the excitement, the greatness that God has for you because you're holding on to something that you need to bag up and go, you know what, devil? You ain't holding on to me anymore. And if you're here and you never trusted Jesus as your Savior, not offering you church membership today. Not offering you baptismal waters today. What I am offering you is life. Forgiveness and mercy. Jesus loves you. He came down for you. Knows every sin that you've ever committed and ever will commit. And loves you in spite of it. Insomuch that he's like, you know what? I'm going to die in their place. Destroy their sin. Break the stronghold that Satan has. Adopt him into my family. And walk with them the rest of the way home. Now, what route they take is up to them. They can take the boring route. Or we can go the way of adventure. Just depends on what you want. But I do challenge this morning. There's some things you need to get rid of in your life. Make that change. Tracy didn't just go, Lord, I'm sorry for, for drinking so much and leave it at the house. That's not repentance. Repentance is, I'm putting this out. And I'm going to make the change because I desire that life. I desire to live joyful. I desire to live hopeful. I desire for people to talk about me and the impact that Jesus has made in my life and for them. So will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <coughs> Let's have a word of prayer and you talk to the Lord and respond however you choose. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much that you're a God of life. Not just life, but life abundant. God, we read your word. We don't read boring, average stories. We read incredible accounts of what happens when people 
trust you and follow you and listen to you and walk with you. God, you use people to transform nations. You redeemed families. You did miracles. And you used average people who wouldn't settle for an average life because they don't serve an average God. Lord, I pray that you would put it in our heart today. All over this crowd, whatever it is that we're holding on to that has us captive, maybe it's the lies that the devil's speaking to people. Lord, maybe it's somebody who's done something to us in life. But God, because your Spirit's in us, we have the power to forgive. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to overcome. There's no sin that can hold on to God's people. And Lord, if there's somebody here today in a crowd this size, I know there is, Lord, somebody who's never trusted in you as their Savior. God, right where they stand right now, Lord, that they'd humble their heart and they'd find freedom and forgiveness through the blood that you shed for them. God, they'd call upon you and leave here today free from that. Lord, I pray that people would would leave luggage here in this room today and walk out never to pick it back up. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.